Well, it's good to, good to be with you this morning and uh, continuing in our series, working through these different promises of God. And hopefully you've been encouraged like I have been just looking through and reflecting on the different things as a Christ follower that are promised to us. And this morning is a very important one, so I'm excited to unpack that or explore that with you. But I was thinking it, as it relates to our topic, if you've ever heard this expression, now it's just a waiting game. Now it's just a waiting game. Have you ever heard that before? And we use it in a number of different arenas. I, I heard it used uh, recently. We were, uh, my wife and I had a, a place that we had bought in Illinois. It was the first home that we actually lived in, a townhome. And we were selling it just a couple weeks ago. It's been a rental property for quite a while. And uh, in that exchange back and forth of the offers, and uh, maybe you've been in that nerve-wracking process before where you're like, well, I don't know, am I... Am I pushing it too hard? Is that, is that a good negotiation or are they going to just bail? And what do you say? You're like, well, now all we can do is wait. All we can do is wait. Maybe you have one of those situations in your life that you're in the now all we can do is wait uh, season or stretch. But what I would propose this morning is that that's a statement that unfortunately we too often think of as it relates to following Jesus Christ. As it relates to following Jesus Christ, too often we come to this conclusion that, you know, when I was younger, I made this decision, I accepted Jesus Christ and his death as payment for our sins, and now I have the mentality that now all I can do is wait. It's usually something that's used as a part of an exchange where I've, I've done my part, now I'm just waiting, and for us that are following Jesus, I, I prayed that prayer, now I'm just waiting for his promise of eternal life, of all of these things that are to come. Now I'm in the waiting game, and there really isn't much expectation of me, because all I can do is wait. Well, I would say in Scripture, that's not at all what we see about the life of a believer. I would say in Scripture, we see that there's an expectation of transformation in the life of a follower of Jesus Christ. And so, sometimes people are like, yeah, but the, the, you're negating the, the finished work of what Jesus did on the cross, the grace, the forgiveness. No, a proper understanding of grace is as more than just a pardon that looks past our sin. It's also the power that changes us to become more like Jesus Christ. It's an expectation. We're not going back to the old. We're expected to be transformed. And here's the other part that's confusing for many, is it's an ongoing transformation. Like today, you're not, look around. There, there's no, this, is, this includes everyone in this room. In fact, tell the person next to you, this includes you too. You haven't arrived yet. There's still expected change in your life. And sometimes we get this mentality of like, yeah, I remember I used to do all these really bad things and I'm past that and now I'm good to go. I'm kind of on autopilot or, or coasting mode. But the truth is scripture never teaches that. In fact, it teaches that part of becoming new is uh, increasing resistance to sin, an improving attitude towards our circumstances, an expanding heart to serve others, a growing urgency for the lost, an increasing desire to know God more. This is supposed to be a progression, and guess what? That progression goes until we breathe our very last breath. And so this morning in our, our text, we're going to see, uh, and we're gonna, you can start turning there with me now. We're in 1 Thessalonians 5, just looking at two verses 
And it really points to this reality, this expectation of transformation. But it's interesting in the first or the prior verses to where we're going to be looking at today, we're in 1 Thessalonians 5.23 is the primary area, but the verses prior to that, it's Paul going through this whole list of all of these expert expectations of transformation, that we'd hold fast to what is good, that we'd abstain from evil, all of these things that are expected of us on our part. But what I want to look at this morning is the combination that, uh, thankfully, it's not just us as part of the equation. There's also a God element to it that He's involved in this transformation as well. So He moves in verse 23 of chapter 5 of 1 Thessalonians from talking about the expectation on our part to then talking about the request of change that we're supposed to make to God, which tells me that He's involved in this process. And maybe you're as confused as I've been in the past with this as well. Is like, so then wait a second. Whose responsibility is it for transformation? Is it my responsibility or is it His responsibility? We're going to explore that this morning and see that it's a divine human partnership in this process. I'll give a little illustration. So many of you have heard of this crazy foot thing that I had. So my uh, foot, I was playing basketball and ruptured my plantar fascia. That's a ligament that runs the length of your foot. So that thing snapped at the point where it meets your heel. And uh, all of a sudden, the, the, the rubber band thing that holds your weight was officially gone. And not a, not a good injury, I'd say. Uh, but it's been a long process. I'm in, in week nine of, of this. What, I, what I've realized It's not just a process of me sitting back, well, all I can do is sit back and wait, that guess what? There's this thing called physical therapy that involves some painful stretches and rebuilding of those muscles. Man, I I take my foot out of this boot and I'm like, my my calf muscle is non-existent, my foot can't do jack, and and I'm like, like, what in the world? So I go to physical therapy and he's like, well, yeah, this is... It's going to be a painful process. You got to relearn how to stretch that ligament. You got to rebuild the muscles all around it. And I was like, "Huh? Well, that's a picture of isn't it of our transformation? God's doing the healing part. Yeah, for sure. Like if it was just based on me trying to fix this deal, like I'd be in there with a knitting and thread. Like I'd be out up a creek. Like I couldn't do it. He's got to do the healing part, but it's also part of me being stretched and getting uncomfortable." and doing some things that I don't necessarily want to do, but it's necessary in order for it to progress forward. That's the same idea that we're going to see in 1 Thessalonians 5. Let me pray before we dive into our text. God, thank you for this explanation in your word of how this works, because it's easy for us to get this mentality that we're just going to sit back and wait for that day that we meet you face to face, and that's going to be awesome, and that's a great thing to look forward to, but we're stuck now in the present, and there's expectation of transformation in our lives. God, my prayer is that this would, that this would really ring true in our minds, that this wouldn't just be for the person down the road, but this would be for us personally, that this is for me, that you want to transform me and change me, that you're not content leaving me where I'm at. I thank you for that. I pray you teach us through this text. In the strong name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. So I'm going to put this on the screen, but you can follow also in your Bible. So 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 23. And so as I already mentioned, we just finished this long explanation of all of these expectations for us to, 
get rid of the old and add the new. But then we see an interesting thing, and we're going to start by looking at that in our text. Well, I'll read the whole thing. It's just two verses. You can see it on the screen there. It says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Beautiful couple of verses there. The first thing I want to look at is the first section is the request that's being made. First notice, and maybe this is an observation for each of us, the fact that there's a prayerful dependence is a vital part of this change or transformation process. We have to make sure that we're bringing this request before the Lord. What a healthy, awesome, ongoing prayer to say, God, man, change me, transform me from the inside out. I need you in this process. But the other thing that you'll notice is that this is Paul, he's asking for God to transform other people because he has a burden for those people. That's his heart's desire is to see transformation in these other people's lives as well. And for us, the learning there is, hey, what if we changed and took off the judge hat of others and put on the hat of, man, I'm going to just lift them up and ask God that he would do a work of transforming them. Here's a little confession time since we're in church. Sometimes I'm guilty of being on Facebook. Anybody heard of this new thing called Facebook? Uh, and, and watching and observing different people that I've known from different seasons in my life. Do you guys do this sometimes? You've kind of fallen out of touch with them, but then you see some pictures online and you start to think to yourself, man, they've really derailed. Okay, this is confession time. You, you, you watch this on Facebook and you start thinking, man, they're, they're really blown it. They're clearly not walking with the Lord any longer. They're, they've clearly gone astray. And what if, instead of having the judge hat on, what if you said, man, God said that he's going to transform us. Man, I'm, I'm praying that God would pick up in that person's life and, and keep on molding and peeling off those layers because I know I need that too. What if we changed our perspective and like Paul started lifting other people up? Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, praying for others. Other thing I notice in those short couple of words, may the God of peace himself sanctify you, is this idea that he's not asking for support in this. He's going straight to the to the top person, he's saying that he that God of peace himself sanctify him. So he's going straight to the manager. He's going straight to the top. Anybody been on a customer service call before and you're talking to somebody on the, the phone and you're, you're totally annoyed because you know that that person can't do anything to help you? Have you guys been on that phone call before? And you're like, I know you have no authority. You have no power. Can you? And you've, many of us have made that request and maybe not with the nicest tone sometimes. I'm always perfect in my tone, um, but this is the request. Can I please talk to a supervisor, manager, whatever? Uh, yeah, what was that? A human, yes. So yes, can I please? Well, here, here's the idea here. He's saying, man, I'm asking, I'm going straight to the source. The only one that has any hope of changing you, I'm asking for him to be involved in this process. And the invitation is there for us as well to say, man, you can come straight to me asking for us, to, for him to be involved. And what is Paul asking for? Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. Sanctify, I would say, is one of those words 
that definitely qualifies as a church word, right? When do you ever use the word sanctify anywhere other than church? Do you guys use that at all in your business dealings and your interactions with a, a client or customer? You know, I'm really hoping that he gets sanctified this week. No, like, no, this is definitely a church word, thus it needs a little bit of explanation. I found this interesting. The sanctify actually comes from the root word originally hagiazo, not hagendas, but hagiazo, and it's seen through, throughout the New Testament, and it's a, a verb, and it points to action, activity, or progress. But it's directly attached to a noun, hagios, which is the same uh, word in noun form, which means, who can guess this, holy, holy. So in other words, sanctification is the verb, it's the process of becoming holy, and it doesn't happen overnight. And the word holy actually literally means separate, separate. The idea that we're separating, it's the process of separating, they become less and less entangled in the things of this world and more and more like Jesus Christ. So he's praying for them to be sanctified, to be in this process of becoming less like the old me and more like the one that I'm following. That's the sanctification process. I thought it was helpful. Uh, John MacArthur outlined really three types of sanctification. I want to point those out to you, which I think are, are, are interesting summary, because sometimes this can get confusing. I want to point to just three of those. We'll see them on the screen there. The first one is this, positional sanctification. And you can probably guess what this is. This is what when we first embraced Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. When we, said, when we came to the conclusion... I can't do this on my own. I can't, my, my, all my human efforts are being good or all falling short. I'm never going to meet God's perfect standard. I, needed a, I need a, a mediator and thank goodness God made the choice, came down, lived the perfect life in the form of Jesus Christ, died as a sacrifice for my sin. I embraced what he did on the cross and that changed the way God sees us. Positional sanctification. He no longer sees you he sees you, if you've made that choice, if you've embraced Jesus Christ as your Savior, He sees you through the lens of Jesus. This is an awesome truth. That's why in Hebrews 10.10, amen, Hebrews 10.10, it says, we have been sanctified. That's, a, that's past tense. That's saying this, this is done. The deal is finished. No longer is our eternity at stake no longer the decision has been made when we embrace Jesus Christ, we positionally have changed. Eternity no longer on the line. It is fixed. But here is the problem. Many people like to camp out strictly there and not deal with the reality that there's also a process that's expected for us to be transformed to align with that positional. So we, we camp out there. So that's one area we camp out. So that's, that's past for most of us if we've embraced Jesus Christ as our Savior. Then I want to jump to number three. So you're going to see we're going to skip B and go to three. The, the next one is this ultimate sanctification. This is, this is uh, something that's pointing to the future, ultimate sanctification, and the explanation of that is eventually we're going to be made perfect. This process of change and transformation is going to be done. God is going to make us like himself, and guess how we get to that point? 
we die. That's, that's how we get there. That's, that's when we breathe our last breath, that's one option. Or if Christ chooses to return in our lifetime and take us to be present with Him, that's ultimate sanctification when we're going to be finished. Finished with this struggle, finished with this battle, finished with this, oh man, the old nature trying to pull me back into the old and, 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 and pulling that, that, that tug of war of sorts. I remember we were doing this building project a, a couple years ago. I remember when the architect first showed me pictures of what it was going to be like when we finished this building project and we were going to, we we're going to have everything kind of restored and, and made to be complete. Well, guess what? That, that two-month process, as much as I, I love dolphin construction and those guys, I was so happy the day they drove off in the truck for the very last time. Like, it, like just the, the idea of just, oh, finally. It's done. I can have my life back to a degree in this, this, this satisfaction of it being finished. I think of that as this picture for each one of us with the ultimate sanctification where we're going to be made like Him when we're present with Him. But here's the problem. The reality is we're living between those two worlds. Yes, positionally we've been changed. Yes, ultimately, we're going to be made to be like Him. It's going to be an awesome day. But the middle ground is what we, we title experiential sanctification, where we start to align our lives. This is the divine human partnership, where we start to align our lives to be consistent with what's to come and what's positionally our reality. Is, are you tracking with me right now? So that's basically the here and now, but there's still expected change in our life, that we're not supposed to be the person we were yesterday. We're not definitely not supposed to be the person we were five years ago, and you're not even supposed to recognize the person you were 10 years ago. Like, there's a transformation. You're not where you want to be yet, but you're definitely not where you were before. There's a process on this timeline, if you will, of change, of transformation that's expected. That's why Paul is praying, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. It's an expectation in our lives, and it should be a priority in our lives. Why? Because God said it was supposed to be a priority in our lives. 1 Peter 1, 6, 16, I'm sorry, 1, 16, you shall be holy for I am holy. Matthew 5, 48, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. This is an ex expectation for us to pursue, and it's, guess what? It's not something you just stumble upon. It's something that takes intentionality to become more and more like Him. But here's to the good news, is that we're not in this alone. Remember the partnership deal? I love this verse in Colossians. I actually shared it with some of the volunteers that are helping with Agape Tour this week. We have this outreach choir, if you're not familiar with it, that goes out and serves all week. And for the high school students, that's no big deal. Like That's a, that's a piece of cake a week of serving and doing that. Some of the older folks that are serving alongside of them, uh, by, by Wednesday of the week, they're struggling. So I, I shared this verse. It's a great one. Colossians 1.29. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy, that he powerfully works within me. Recognizing that he's the source of energy. That he's the one that's powerfully at work within us. That's repeated, same idea in Philippians 2.13. For it is God who has at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. He's changing us. He's transforming us. Not just our, our work, but even, you see there in the text, even our will, even our will, even the things that we desire, the things that we're, we're passionate about. 
I like one commentary said that he does this in, in two ways, either holy discontent or holy aspiration. Let me explain. Holy discontent is we start to recognize how, short, how far we fall short of God's perfect standard. That's a, that's a good thing when God starts to do that. When you start to see like, whoa, man, there's a, there's a lot of work that needs to happen in this. And things, what's cool is we start to grow more and more of a disdain for sin. Have you noticed this in your life? Remember when Adrian and I were first uh, married, uh, her parents would come and visit us at our, our house, actually this townhome that I just described uh, selling in the last couple of weeks. They would visit, and when they would visit, you'd always feel awkward anytime you're watching a television show because you're like, oh man, this makes them clearly uncomfortable, anything that was inappropriate. So I remember watching shows on television, and there would be some kind of a, a swear word, or somebody got shot, or something, and, uh, and, and they, weren't, they didn't make a big deal about it. Her mom might just quietly leave the room, and, but man, anybody have this before with somebody that you're watching somebody, something with, and you're feeling super uncomfortable? Uh, because uh, am I the only one that goes through these things? <laughs> And, and, so, and so I was there, and I, I remember being like, oh, man, this is, you're right. And, and you couldn't debate with them. You're like, yeah, you're right. That is inappropriate. The funny thing, though, is over the years, now I'm becoming that guy. I'm becoming, anybody else see this progression? And here's the thing. I, I start to see things, and I'm like, and I find myself telling my kids, well, when I was a kid, they never used to show things like that. Anybody else have this conversation with your kids before? They used to never be allowed to use words like that. They used to never show that much blood when I was a kid. Like you, you start all of a sudden, you're more sensitive to this. And here's the funny thing is, I'm okay with that. Anybody else okay with that? I'm okay with a, a heightened sensitivity that the Holy Spirit starts to give. And I, I'm just picking on the, the media thing just for a moment here because that's what came to mind. But in all arenas of our life, when God's doing a work of transformation, all of a sudden there's things that you used to be okay with because what? Because of why? Because of a holy discontent. You're like, man, I'm, not, I'm no longer comfortable with that. The other one, holy aspiration. The other thing that he starts to do is he starts to make us, he doesn't just take out the old, he starts to also implant aspirations that didn't used to be there. Things, that, things that, that used to be like, oh, you know what, I'm okay with being this way. I'll, I'll give an example of that. I was out to lunch with this gentleman or coffee, I can't remember, and he was talking to me about a pastor that he knew that lived up in the, uh, somewhere in Northern California. And he, was, he was telling me the story. He's like, oh, man, and this guy, he's like, man, he could, he could talk to anybody, anytime, and he, it was, the, the gospel was always on the tip of his tongue, he was always ready to share about Christ and how he could transform their lives. It's like, man, this guy, this guy was contagious. It's always weird when somebody's telling you how great another pastor is, uh, and you're like, oh, wait a second. But, but here, here's, the, here's the thing that, was, that, was, that grabbed me in that. I was thinking to myself, I'm like, I want that for me. I want that for me. I, I want... I, I want to be contagious. I want when, if anybody spends any significant amount of time with me, I want them to hear about the hope that I have within me. I want them to hear that Jesus Christ can redirect their eternity. Whoa, that's staggering. I want that to be something that somebody, do you see, do you see what happens there? So two things start to happen, a holy discontent and holy aspirations that weren't once there. He wants this transformation to be a complete one. And that's literally what he prays for. Did you notice that in the text? 
what, what he asked for. He says, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. That means every aspect of us. Some of us have this kind of idea that there's certain things I'm okay with working on, but no, that's just, I'm not ready for that piece. That's my, that's my anger stuff, you know? That's just who I am. That's, my, that's the Italian side of me. That's my, oh yeah, I, I, I tend to be, that, that, I, I tend to be a, a negative person. Whoever said we're allowed to be a negative person? Like, who, why, why do we put that as a badge we're okay with? You see, the truth is he wants everything transformed, every part of us conformed into his likeness. When we were growing up, my uh, dad was very committed to having a, a tidy house. You know, everything, I don't know if you have a household like this, everything had a particular place that it went, everything needed to be in its spot, and until it was in its spot, there was not peace in the home. And so my dad was like a whirlwind. He would go around the house getting everything in order, but there was one particular drawer in the kitchen. We actually had a name for it. I don't know if you're familiar with it. It was called the junk drawer. And this was, this was free game for everything. Anything that you couldn't figure out where you put that item. Do you guys have this in your house or am I weird? Do you? Some, some of us, what I've noticed, have junk rooms or, 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 or junk wings to the house or junk garages. Uh, and, so, and so, but here's the, the idea. A lot of us create this idea that that's like the one spot. Hey, everything else is tidy. I've got that all in order. But don't mess with the junk drawer. Don't mess with the junk drawer. Leave that alone. That's the free-for-all, and we never really get around to cleaning that drawer out. But here's the idea, is that in Scripture, we see, man, he wants to do a complete transformation every single corner of the house. And that's what he goes on to say, say more specifically here, is that in the text it says, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The specifics, he's saying, hey, I want every part of you, the material part, the body, and material, immaterial part, the spirit and the soul, to be kept blameless. So we can't go with this excuse that like, well, I, I, like I, I can talk spiritual stuff with the best of them. I can sit down and talk theology. That's, there's a lot of people with big spiritual heads. But this is the reminder that, man, no, guess what? It's supposed to impact not just your spiritual and your mind, it's also supposed to impact your body. It's supposed to be a complete transformation. And this, a lot of us are like, yeah, I know, I know. But man, does our life really reflect that? Is there a total and complete overhaul? One of the, the shows that, and you can guess where I'm going with this, one of the shows as a car guy that I really liked, and I'm a little bit of a nerdy guy like this, uh, is this show Overhauling. I don't know if anybody has seen this show before. You kind of get the idea behind it, is what they, they do is they sneak. Has anybody watched this? Am I the only one that's ever seen this? Okay, so I'll tell you, I'll tell you about it. You're going to learn about this great show on, uh, that you'll probably never watch. So Overhauling is a pretty cool idea. So they come to somebody's house, and I don't know how they land on who this person that they're going to surprise. They sneak without them knowing and take their like beat-up old car and take this thing that's just like a bucket of bolts, take it, bring it in, and from the bottom up, completely restore this car. And they do a, 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 a just powerful job of, in the same time that they're restoring this, this car, they're telling the story of the person 
that's having this car restored. You've probably seen something about this with houses or cakes or something else out there. There's everything. Uh, but, but in the process, they're, they're restoring this. And you get in the process, you really, the, the part that they do is they get you to really fall in love with the person so much that you're like, man, I can't wait till they finally see this reveal. You, you're, it's like building, building, building. You're like, man, they do a masterful job. And eventually, you're just like, man, it's going to be awesome to see their face. And they're a complete stranger, but you're like, man, it's going to be great. And, and here's what I, the way I picture this in my mind. Look at, that, look at this section of Scripture. May your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. At some point, and this is the way my mind grabs hold of it is in illustration form, Someday, there's going to be that big reveal. There's going to be the, hey, look at, look, at, look at him. Look where he's at. And man, I don't want to be that person's like, what? I don't really see any change. He's still a bucket of bolts. Like, no, no, I want to see, I want there to be as little remaining change as possible in this transformation continuum of when Christ returns, I want it to be like, man, there's, there's not that much left to do. Wouldn't that be awesome at the big reveal when he finally sees you like, man, he's come a long way. Like, that's, that's awesome. Not saying that we're ever going to uh, achieve perfection on this side of Christ or eternity. But man, isn't that the big idea? That in this divine human partnership, that there is a transformation that happens. And the only thing that gives us hope for this is this last thing, this promise. It says this, he who calls you, let's put that ver- the main passage back up there. I want you to see it in context. It says, so may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. He will surely do it. This is one of those promises out of any promise in Scripture that should give us the most hope possible, that He is going to transform you. He has transformation plans for each one of us that are in Jesus Christ. Ephesians 1, 4 says, Even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. Romans 8, 29, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. He has transformation plans for each one of you. And here's the thing that you have to understand. This is important. You're either going to come along willingly or kicking and screaming. That's an important thing. If there's anything that you're going to learn here this morning, you're going to be transformed because he promises it, and it's either going to happen willingly or with you in constant resistance to his transformation in your life. We have a choice in that. We can either get with the program, it's going to happen, or we can go battling. It's so interesting in Scripture how often it talks about the, one of the tools that God uses in our transformation process is discipline. And it's so funny how few people consider that the circumstances that are difficult in their life could possibly be God's discipline in their life. They're like, no, 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 that couldn't be His discipline in my life. I'm sure it is, but the first thing we run to when we see other people going through difficult times is like, oh, that's probably God trying to get their attention. 
But, but we're so, it's funny how it works like that. We're so slow to admit that maybe he's trying to work on us. Maybe that's his process of peeling some layers of the onion off. Maybe that's what he's trying to do in our lives because he's going to transform us whether we come willingly or kicking and screaming. But discipline is one of the best ways to transform somebody's behavior. Anybody realize that from growing up? Since we're in confession time, we're in church, I want to tell you a story. So when I was in somewhere between junior high and high school, somewhere in that mix, I got caught shoplifting. It's true, you guys. It's true. I am a thief. It's true. So when I was in that, that stage of my life, there was a particular brand clothing. It was called Surf Fetish. I don't know, living in Chicago, why I had a surf fetish. But I wanted this, this outfit, and it was cool because the shorts matched the, t- the, 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 the tank top. It was, it was, I mean, like, the they logos matched. Like, it was a legit outfit. I had to have this thing. I was with this kid that was a bad influence on me. His name was Jeremy, and I'm sure it was his fault that I stole this surf fetish outfit. And I still, to this idea, have no idea how they met me at the door and took me in. But here is what my dad did. When I got home, after a few whacks, after, when I got home, he successfully took away everything that I owned and said, guess what I'm going to do, son? I'm going to take away everything you have, giving them back to you one at a time to make you appreciate the things that you have. Whoo! That was tough. Other than like the clothes I had on my back, it was one item over like a three or four month period of time that I got back. And guess what? Do you think I ever stole anything again? No. Other than that thing I stole last week. No, I'm just kidding. No, no, no. That was what it took to get my attention of transformation. That's what God often does in order so that he can keep his promise that he says he will surely do it. So, if there's not transformation happening in your life, here's the thing that gets concerning to me, is this is what's a burden to me. If there's not transformation happening, that's a problem. Because either he's a liar or I'm a liar. Either he's lying about what he's going to do in my life, or I'm lying about whether or not I have a relationship with him. Here, that's, that's the concerning thing. And God never lets us off the hook with that, where we're supposed to work out our, our, our salvation with fear and trembling, making sure that, man, I want to make sure that he's working and doing a change in my life. Transformation is an expectation because he who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. He's our one hope for change in this divine human partnership. I want to just end our time together this morning with just a little opportunity. There might be somebody in this room that's sitting here and they're thinking, you're like, man, this, this transformation and change sounds great. But all I've experienced is steps that I take towards transformation and right back to the same old. I want to make sure that there's no one in this room that's putting the cart before the horse, expecting to reap the benefits of transformation that comes from us saving a relationship with Jesus Christ, yet having never, ever had that saving relationship with Jesus Christ. 
So we do this uh, on occasion here as a church, and we've started this even just in 2016, and quite a number of people already that have made the, taken advantage of this opportunity. I want to provide the opportunity for anyone that's in this room that's ne- never made the choice, positional sanctification, we talked about that, to embrace the work that Jesus Christ did on the cross. God came down in an earth suit. His name was Jesus Christ. Lived the perfect life. Lived a, a, as a, a perfect example for us. Then died on a cruel Roman cross for our sins so that we could have our relationship with God restored. You see, our sin had separated us from a perfect God, but Jesus came down on our behalf and wrote the check that we could never write, paid the sacrifice that we could never pay in our lifetime and said, you know what? I'm going to do this. I lived the perfect life, died on the cross, rose again three days later, but I'm giving you a choice in your lifetime to either embrace this free gift or say, no thanks. And really, when you cut it down to its bare minimum, that's what our life comes down to, is that decision. What are we going to do with that free gift? To either accept it or reject it. By ignoring it, you're clearly rejecting it. And I want to provide the opportunity, we only do this on occasion here as a church, for anyone that hasn't made that decision, and we started this, I don't know how we landed on it, to make that decision to stand up and make the statement saying, I am in. I am in. This is something that's biblical. It's out of Romans uh, 10, 9, where it describes that we profess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, that we make that statement saying, I am following Jesus. Him. I'm making that choice to follow him. And so I want to provide the opportunity. We're going to create just a, a moment of silence. We can invite the worship team to come forward now. I want to just create an opportunity, just a, a few moments where you, we can make that, that decision. Man, you can't start and expect transformation unless you first embrace what Jesus Christ has done on the cross. And so if that's a decision that you'd like to make this morning, man, stand up and say, yes, I'm in. I'm making that choice this morning. We'll make a a moment of quiet just where you can make that choice. In the first hour, there's a guy that was here for the very first time, and uh, talking to him afterwards, it was neat to hear his story, and he was saying, man, there was that that time you were there, and he's like, man, my heart was just racing, I felt this tug, and and, uh, and, uh, and, and, he, and he stood up and said, I, I, am, I am in. And he's like, oh, man, it felt so good. He was, he was sharing with me. And it was interesting because he was there with a, a friend and talking to his friend afterwards. He's like, yeah, he's like, yeah, God was really stirring in me too. And he's like, but I, I didn't stand up. I didn't stand up. And he's regretting that in that moment. For us, I just want to take another second just for this is a, not that often that we have this opportunity, but the wanted to provide it just publicly a chance for anyone in here that's never made that choice, whether you've embraced Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, just standing up and saying, I'm in, I, I accept, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. I've fallen short of God's perfect standard. That's not that hard to admit, at least it shouldn't be. Uh, but I'm also choosing to bend my knee to embrace what he did for me on the cross. I accept that free gift. If that's a choice you want to make this morning, stand up in this moment and say, I'm in. Awesome, Sharon. Awesome, praise God. Awesome. It's awesome.
Anybody else at that place this morning? The wonderful thing about this offer is that it's an offer that's on the table 24-7, 365 days a year. This offer is an invite that lasts until we breathe our very last breath. But the interesting is there's only certain times, when you talk to different followers of Jesus Christ, there's only certain times that he really lays it on thick, where he's clearly pursuing you. And sometimes, man, you don't want that voice to get quiet over time. So respond when the opportunity is there. Cool thing is with that conversation now with the gentleman afterwards, he's like, yeah, I, I felt the tug, but I, I didn't do it. I didn't stand up. I was like, man, we can do it right now. We talked through it right then and that, and he made the choice in that moment right after the service to say, hey, I missed that window, but guess what? That window doesn't close until we breathe that last breath. So my prayer is, man, for anyone here that's wrestling through that, don't push it off. Be available after the service just to talk with we'll some other leaders available as well if there's any questions or anything you want to wrestle through. But praise God for Cheryl, what he's doing in her life this morning. Let me pray for us as we close. God, thank you so much for this invitation of transformation that you promise, you, one, you call us to it. So cool how you do it, that. You call us to it, but then you don't abandon us in the pursuit of it. You promised that you're going to come alongside. You didn't just invite us to do the impossible. You said, I can do the impossible in you. I can change you from the inside out. Thank you so much, Jesus, for that. God, we thank you for the truth that we're celebrating, the simple gospel message that you cared about us so much that you came down, lived the perfect life, died as a sacrifice so that we could have forgiveness of sins and have our eternity redirected. The next 100,000 years plus hinge on this decision. God, I pray for anybody that's still wrestling through that, that you'd keep on chasing after them, that you'd make yourself irresistible, in their life. Thank you so much, God. Thank you, too, for your change that you want to do in us, God. You're included in that process, that we're not who we are today. We're not stuck in that, that you can change us, that you can take the junk drawers, take the rooms that we've ignored, take all of that and change it into your likeness. Praise you and thank you. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Amen, amen. He who called us is faithful and he'll surely do it. He's making beautiful things. Let's not resist him this week. Let's get in line with what he's wanting to do in each of us. Amen. Have a wonderful week in the Lord. God bless.